One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast. Hey, Dirtbags. Thank you so much for tuning in to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm so happy to have you here right now. We've got a great show for you this week. My friend Jeanette D. Moses came in and we had a conversation about her life, her art, her band, all kinds of stuff. It was a lot of fun. She told me about how she grew up uh, moving around quite a bit and... She had spent some time in Salt Lake City. We actually graduated high school in Salt Lake City and went to high school with some people that I know. And we were probably there around the same time in college and whatnot. So pretty wild, small world. Jeanette and I have shared a practice space for the past couple of years. Felt good to have her in the, the studio and to have this conversation. Got to talk about her photography and her filmmaking and how she got to go on tour with the band Thick recently. If you're not familiar with Thick, they're a punk band from Brooklyn. I believe they're on Epitaph Records. Really cool band. Uh, great live show and Jeanette was just on tour with them as their photographer selling some merch and she told us what that was like. Thank you so much Jeanette for coming in and having the conversation with me. I think she had a good time uh, and so yeah thank you. Frida Kills got a show in Brooklyn October 21st at Bar Frida so I'm going to try and be there. You should try and be there too. If you like this show or you like my music or you just like me in general, you can help support what I do by going to patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth and you sign up to spend three, five, ten bucks a month, whatever you wouldn't miss and whatever wouldn't quite break the bank for you and whatever you think is worth investing in what I do each month. Patreon's a great platform in which you can support an artist or a project or something that you think is important and deserves your financial backing. And as someone who's been on Patreon for a few years and has been lucky enough to have a handful of patrons that have been supporting me for a while, I can honestly say it makes a huge difference. Whether you think so or not, three or five or ten bucks a month, what you think isn't really that much, might not even pay for your lunch that day or one day, makes a big difference for me or an artist or... or Whatever project you think is important, you go to Patreon, you sign up, and you can know, you can sleep at night, just fall asleep without even trying that hard, because you know that you support independent art. If that's not cause enough for you to just sleep like a baby, I don't know what what is, you know? So, thanks so much to my patrons that have been supporting me for a while now, and thank you for considering thanks for listening to the show if you're not in a position to support us financially right now don't worry there's a lot of ways you can support us without having to spend any money at all and the first one is whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on right now just make sure that you're subscribed to us or you're following us whatever it is make sure you download your favorite episodes leave us a review or a rating and tell your friends about the show word of mouth is the best way to get things out to people these days Because, yeah, we have the internet and things can go viral and stuff like that. But really, I see stuff on the internet that I don't look at. Like, I'll see it 15 times. I didn't know what the corn kid thing was until it was fucking not cool anymore. And that's just kind of my life. And so I'm just kind of behind the curve on things. But that's that's beside the point. Anyways. Fuck, what was I saying? I forget. Oh, yeah. So, word of mouth. Tell your friends about the show. If you enjoy the show, please just let one or two people this week know that like hey I listened to this interview with Jeanette D. Moses and 
Charles Ellsworth on A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road, and it was fantastic. It was really fun. They had a great conversation. They talked about all kinds of stuff that I like and I identify with. You should check it out, too. Oh, my God. If you would do that to one or two of your friends or family or, or you know, people that you just meet on the street, man, goddamn, that would be awesome. That would be really cool. We'd love to get more dirtbags listening every week. We'd love to be attracting, you know, just like more prestige guests, you know. I love the guests that we've had, and I love that a lot of the guests are just my personal friends. It's a real nice excuse to just sit down and talk to someone for a couple hours. I love doing it, and so thanks so much to those of you that enjoyed listening to it. Thank you for the support. Another way you can support us without spending any money is if you listen to music on any platform on the internet, which I'm sure you do, just do me a favor. Go check out my music, Charles Ellsworth. You search for it, you know, clickety, 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 search for it on that old keyboard. Check it out. Give it a listen. Whatever songs you really like the most, be sure to put your favorite songs on a playlist or make a playlist for someone like a mixtape like you would have done back in the day or a mix CD make a playlist for someone who's like oh they're they got covid or they're not feeling well or something put like 20 songs on this playlist put two or three of mine on there your favorite ones send it to them be like hey i was thinking about you get well soon and then they'll become fans of my music because you just embedded them because you because you what's that thing called what's that one movie you incepted them inception god i'm so bad at pop culture and shit um you know what I'm not bad at? Having friends over and talking about stuff on my podcast. And that's what we're about to do. Thanks so much, Jeanette, for coming in and talking with me. I'm looking forward to your show. I hope I can make it on the 21st. I'm going to do my best to be there. And if you're listening to this and you live in New York City, you should be there too. Free to Kill, great band, a lot of fun live. You're not going to find a better thing to do that night. So you should just fucking go. Anyways, thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Jeanette, for being on the show. Thanks, Banjo being my best friend and looking so cute hope you all have a great time uh doing the dishes or whatever it is you're doing while while we talk here it goes so hey Jeanette thank you so much for sitting down with me yeah uh, happy to be here the dirtbags guide to life on the road (laughs) great Um, name thank you yeah I think it's it's the name's the best thing I got going for (laughs) me (laughs) um yeah well just let everyone know what you're up to now. Like your name, um, Jeanette, and your tell them your name. Uh, introduce myself. Yeah, yeah. Tell the people who you are. Projects you play in, what instruments, you know, what what you do, what's cool. your thing. Um, yeah. So my name is Jeanette D. Moses. I am a musician in Brooklyn. Um, also music photographer and filmmaker. Um, the band I play in is called Frida Kill. I play guitar and also do some like singing and songwriting for that project. Um, but for most of the time that I've been in New York and before New York, um, I've been a music photographer. So sort of was on the other side of it. Um, cool. friends with a ton of bands, always going to shows, always like just excited to like be part of the life. Uh-huh. Um, but very much from like a sort of like documenting who the bands were, who the people were, what went into like making the music, what went on behind the scenes and like going on tour. Um, and through that kind of started doing like directing music videos and whatnot for people. Cool. That's, that's rad. Those are all such good <laughs> skills to have too when you're also in a band. Yes. That's, uh, <laughs> I mean, super useful. And I mean, sometimes that's the most money you spend on things as a band is like pictures and or photos yep. and <laughs> um, videos and whatnot. Well, and it's, it, 
for as long, for all of the time spent before I was in my own band, um, just sort of being adjacent to conversations about like recording and touring and like press photos. Mm-hmm. I felt like when, with my own project, I sort of brought a lot of, not necessarily like, not like experience from being in past bands, but experience of seeing how so many friends have done things and like what worked and what didn't work and what makes sense to like apply to my own situation. No, totally. That's, that sounds like such a useful skill because I mean, and also just familiarity with terms and whatnot. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of like, no matter what you're doing, I mean, other than like maybe like heart surgery or or (laughs) whatnot, like fake it till you make it, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of just like throwing yourself in there into the deep end and just learning things but if you're already kind of familiar with that world it probably helps a whole lot yes to like know what a press release is or even a press photo you know or like when do you hire a tour manager Mm -hmm. like when do you need an actual manager totally what are the things that we can keep doing ourselves to save money rather than and like when does it make sense to pay someone else to help us do things oh yeah that's uh those are all very very (laughs) useful and especially because like the name of the game these days is just keep the belt as tight as possible because there's not a lot of profit made off of music. So you gotta, (laughs) you gotta like make the product with as little startup capital as possible. Yes. Um, I mean, a conversation I just had with my own band, I was like, look, we're never going to like make money. So let's try to make the money pit that we're digging a smaller pit rather than like a massive pit that we will never get like, financially recover from yeah totally that's i mean i've been in a handful of projects where it was like oh this just cost me money because we may have played a couple shows but we never released a record or anything like that and (laughs) and so it's yeah just cost money and it's it can be like i used to say i don't have um a drinking problem i have a music problem (laughs) you know and then it turned into a little bit of both (laughs) but uh it's no, it's really like it, it's hard to turn music or any sort of art into money at all. Yeah, so. unless you're functioning at like the highest levels. Yeah. And I mean, that's the same for the photo world too. Like, I believe that. In many ways, when I like was like, I'm starting a band and like, I'm going to play guitar very quickly, I was like, oh, I like, I can't get too into pedals because I know myself how I am with cameras. Like, yeah. this will become. Just like I'll want them all, totally. even though I don't necessarily like need them all. Yeah. So like, be careful, because this will become very expensive very quickly. Very much. So. Yeah, I'm I'm a minimalist for the most part, except for when it comes to like hobbies or things I can use to make money. <laughs> then it's like it's a business expense. Fuck yeah, it. totally. So then I like can't. I've got camera gear, like hiking gear, music gear. It's like, but other like I I've got like. Up until this week, I had one pair of pants for the past like six months. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, so I'm like a minimalist in a lot of ways, but when it comes to things that I enjoy or that I can like really dig into, it's, it's difficult. Or I mean, I, I just, I just let it go. Yeah. It's a, I mean, this morning, literally one of my favorite cameras started acting up last night and I'm like, oh, it's broken. I've got to like, oh, like, I've no. just got to give it up. And on a whim this morning was like, let me go, let me just like see what these are selling for online Uh and found one that was way underpriced. Oh, that's awesome. 
Well, I mean, it's either going to show up and be broken or I'm like, this person put something on sale, like put something online for sale and have like, they have no idea what they have. So yeah. like, fuck it. I'm going to buy it. And like, we'll see what happens when it shows up. I, I hope, I wish you the best in that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, an early morning pre-coffee decision. So we'll see, we'll see how I feel about Sometimes that down the line. Sometimes the best decisions. Maybe I made a great one. Sometimes not so much. <laughs> um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Um, so <laughs> I always tell people in New York that I grew up in the West. Um, I was born in California, but my family moved around a lot when I was little. Mm -hmm. um, so we lived in California, uh, the Seattle, Washington area, um, Salt Lake City, Utah, Phoenix, Arizona, and briefly um, in Idaho. Oh, cool. So all over. A lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of movement. Um, I went to high school in Salt Lake. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. I went to college in Salt Lake. Oh, where'd you go to college? The U. Oh, I went to Westminster. Really? Yeah. We were probably there around the same time. Probably. Wild. <laughs> uh, where, in, where in the Salt Lake did you go to high school? Uh, Judge Memorial. Dang. What year did you graduate? 2006. Holy shit, we've got, we know a bunch of We probably of the same have some people. mutual friends. Like my <laughs> freshman year of college, my buddy dated a girl from, who had graduated from Judge. Or my, my roommate. He what dated was her name? Rose Sloan. Oh, yeah. Her dad was my um, journalism teacher. In yeah, I heard he was like the favorite teacher. He was Everybody loved great. him. He was awesome. That's so funny. Yeah, no, I like, I know a lot of people that went to Sloan, or to no, Sloan, to Judge. That's wild. Small world. Very <laughs> small world. Um, so that's where you, is that where you started playing music? Or? Um, I mean, I didn't really start playing music seriously until living in New York. Okay. And being, like, I, my dad's a guitar player, so I always had, like, musical instruments around. I played violin as, like, a very little kid. Mm -hmm. um, I think got my first guitar probably when I was, like, five or six. Okay. Um, and would, a lot, what would happen is, like, I'd take lessons for a little bit, or I'd, like, my dad was teaching me for a little bit. I'd get frustrated. I wasn't progressing right away, so I'd quit. Mm -hmm. A few years later, I'd pick it back up. Oh, I'm going to learn. I want to do this thing. Would take lessons for a little bit, get frustrated, or have like a bad teacher, quit. Um, and sort of just did that pattern for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I started taking, I think it was 2017 or 2018. Um, I signed up for online lessons uh, with Sarah Landau, who her project um, is the Julie Ruin, which like the first time I'd ever taken guitar lessons from a woman. Uh -huh. um, and kind of that, the like that time in 2018, I think it was 2018, like it finally sort of stuck. And uh -huh. I was like, oh, I really like this. I also like having a creative outlet that isn't tied to my like financial well-being. Yeah. Um, so like guitar is just going to be my fun thing that I do. Uh -huh. Um, then of course, eventually it yeah. sort of, <laughs> the thing that was like, this is just my hobby becomes like, okay, how like, it takes all your time and money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that sounds super familiar. It, and like people tell me all the time, like, I wish I had like, uh, musical talent like you and whatnot. And I'm like, I just, I just practiced a lot and just played. <laughs> I've been playing guitar for 20 plus years, but I haven't played for 20 years straight, yeah. you know? And so it sounds like, like eventually you just have to find that bug and or like catch that bug and just be like, oh man, I really like, 
I really you like want this. To lean into this, and I really and want to get better at this. Yeah, and then you put the hours in, and it's like, oh, that's the only way anyone's capable of learning guitar. Like, totally, it's just like sitting. And actually, guitar is probably the easiest instrument as a guitarist. Like, I mean, <laughs> from the people, I, I mean, as far as like being able to like in two weeks, you could learn three chords that's and you could true. write a song. And you, yes, and that's the. I guess the like learning curve. Can, can get pretty steep. Yes. Yeah. When I mean it's, I'm when Frida Kill started, Maria, Maria and Lily started the band and was mm-hmm. like, we're starting a band. Um, and at the top, like, and Maria asked me, she's like, hey, I know you said you were taking guitar lessons. Like, do you want to join my band? Uh-huh. And in my mind, I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm, I'm qualified to do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh. But I was like, you know what? Yes. Like, let me take a chance. And to be tot- like, to be totally frank, like. I got a lot better at guitar, and I think I'm a much more capable player, and our band got a lot better because of pandemic. Uh-huh. Because I just had hours to sit at home and practice all the time. Yeah. Because um, there was fucking nothing else to do. Totally. Um, it was like a weird blessing in that way, or or like, you know what I mean? Like, just like, uh, there was when endless in your free life time. are you going to be able to just have just immense free time to sit at home and like work on whatever the fuck you want because there's you literally shouldn't leave your house don't leave the house yeah (laughs) that's uh it's i definitely worked did some video projects and all kinds of stuff that i i never would have done this podcast is a quarantine project (laughs) that finally got launched it's like how can i how can i connect with people i need to talk to people yeah exactly podcast (laughs) uh yeah this i had wanted to do it for a long time and then just finally got around to it hell Um, yeah when you were like your childhood sounds a lot like I mean you moved around a ton and uh, like why was that was that something your your folks worked in a um, my dad worked in radio at the time when uh-huh. I was a kid and so even then radio was sort of like a shrinking industry mm-hmm. um so we kind of moved wherever the work was gotcha. so it's like I was born in Southern California he worked at a station there then like at a certain point we moved to Utah then we moved back to California to like the Bay Area because he had a because the work was there then. Yeah, and so totally. it was just, a lot of it was like, we moved based on what the radio market what was doing. Exactly. Did, Until that bottomed out. <laughs> yeah. No, that was, I mean, my stepdad worked at a paper mill and the internet kind of <laughs> killed that. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so I can kind of relate. Except we never moved around. I, I, I grew up born and raised in the same town until I graduated high school. So I'm always really interested in people who had moved around a lot. What was... <laughs> Like, how do you think that affected your, you know, like your psyche or your, like, what, what was it like to just be a um, new kid a lot? I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a similar question to like, I'm an only child as well. People are like, oh, what was that like growing up with no siblings? I'm like, I don't know. I don't like fine. Like I don't have any other experiences. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I don't really like, no. Um, I think like being the new kid all the time, like I got really good at making friends fast um because sort of being in that situation like there was no time to be shy um I didn't like it was like okay new school like who like who is who's gonna be your friends here like what kids are you gonna sit with because like you need to make friends like yeah and I think also in a similar way moving around a lot you don't get too precious about space maybe Mm -hmm. um 
or like things, I guess. Yeah. Because it's like if you're moving so much, like stuff gets left behind, stuff gets lost. There's not the same like sort of like, oh, my childhood bedroom. Like, yeah, not that same sentimentality. Yes. Um, like, it's funny now, the apartment I've been in for like, the apartment I'm in now, I've been in for like seven years. Uh-huh. And I think it dawned on me, I was like, oh, that's the longest I've ever lived in really? one place. Yeah. Ever. Like. That's wild to, to um, have that realization like later on. Yeah. Um. Well, because I think like as a kid, when you're in motion and it's sort of like out of your control, you kind of just have to go with the flow. Like, yeah, totally. You don't have a choice. And um, I mean, I I tried to when I was a senior. I had a really good friend whose family just like moved to Chicago, mm-hmm. and I grew up in small town Arizona. And uh, I tried to like transfer to that school. <laughs> <laughs> just to see what it was like to live in a new school. And, like, my mom and counselor were just like, no. What are you doing? No. You can't, we're not going to let you do this. And I was like, Why? Please, I just want to do it. They're like, no. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Ridiculous. No. <laughs> uh, so, but I just wanted so badly to be like, I don't know what it's like to be the new kid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Went to school with the same kids from elementary till graduation. That's also kind of an interesting thing. Uh what I love that you were got good at making friends because I feel like that could go the other way. I'm, I can be pretty introverted, so if I w- I imagine if I didn't go to school with the same people yeah. all growing up, I might have not really had the network of friends that I did because I, I am pretty introverted. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to make friends. Um, what do you think? Like gave gave you? Are you extroverted as like naturally? Yes, or? I think I'm naturally extroverted okay. and naturally social. Um, and so like the added layer of like and eh, new school and eh, like like things are changing again. It just sort of was like okay, like I know I have this skill set. I know I'm good at making friends. I know I'm like good at connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of just went into like overdrive. Yeah. Um, I don't. My boyfriend makes fun of me all the time where he's like, how do, is it we, everywhere we go in New York, you know someone. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I've been here now for like a decade and I talk, like I talk to strangers. Like I will just, like if someone says something and I overhear it and I have something to contribute, like I'll respond to their conversation and be like, sorry, that was weird. Like, (laughs) no, that's, that's definitely a certain, I don't know if I would do that as often. Maybe. Um, <laughs> Most people don't. It's kind of a weird thing to do. Especially in New York. Like, yes. it's kind of off-putting for people to be like, wait, are you talking to me on the train? Like, <laughs> Oh, I don't do it on the train. Okay, good. I'm not, that, like I'm not that level You're of like, weird. You're like, I'm not that weird. <laughs> well, I kind of, you know, maybe it's just introvert, extrovert. Like, I, I struggle to make friends sometimes, and, um, and I'm sure plenty of people do. Do you have any advice for folks that if you're... <laughs> like if you want to make friends or if you're like in a new place and, and you you need some sort of network? That's a hard question. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> and you can just be like, I don't know. I think I don't know. Okay. Because <laughs> what I do is I just talk, like I talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually someone's And gonna... eventually like, like some people will be like, oh my God, why are you talking to me? But not everyone. Like uh-huh. eventually you'll hit someone who's like, oh, cool. Like, yes, I will. Like, let's have a conversation. And then that just blossoms possibly into yeah. a friendship or, or you, you have just... a weird one off conversation. <laughs> That's cool. I, I can really dig that. Uh, when you, when did you start doing photography? When did that become a part of your life? Um, 
I always had cameras in like junior high and high school. Um, like I always had like disposables and I remember very early when like digital cameras came out, getting one for like my birthday or a mm -hmm. holiday or something and just sort of like constantly having it on me, constantly wanting to take pictures of my friends and just sort of document what was going on around me. Mm -hmm. um, then in college, I took my like first like photography class and learned all the darkroom stuff and got, I guess, like a little more serious about it. Um, and did that throughout college and afterwards. I think for a long time, though, even when I was in school, necessarily, like it didn't dawn on me that photography could be a career. Mm -hmm. um, it always seemed like, oh, this is like what, you, like this is your hobby. This is what you do for like fun. But there's actually no money in like taking pictures. So that's like, you, you shouldn't pursue that as a job. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I moved to New York, I came out here for grad school, and sort of through the journalism program that I was in, it kind of opened my eyes. Like, oh wait, like photography and like videography is very much a career like mm -hmm. you don't have to just be like a magazine writer um it's actually much harder to be a magazine writer those jobs don't really exist anymore yeah these days, um, no. and so I guess like about 10 years ago I kind of had that pivot moment of like oh shit like mm -hmm. like I actually like photography a lot more than I like writing um and from there, kind of just like one thing led to another. One opportunity leads to something else. Um, meeting like a band, like just going to shows with my camera, really. Mm -hmm. um, in the in Brooklyn, like I was just showing up. I was photographing people. I was photographing bands. Having a camera in many ways is also a way to meet people. Yeah, um, totally. Especially if you're like at a DIY show or photographing bands that aren't used to like having a photographer in the audience, maybe mm -hmm. it's a good way for people to come up and be like, Hey, I saw you were taking pictures of my band. What's your name? Like, do you think we can get those? Like, yeah. Um, which is, I mean, that's how I met a lot of my fucking friends that that's are cool. within the Brooklyn music scene. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, I guess like I've been taking photos pretty much my entire life. Um, it became a much more serious thing like a decade ago. Nice. And you came out here for grad school, you said? Came out what, here for grad school. What kind of program were you in? Uh, journalism? It was, yeah, it was the, a journalism program through CUNY. Um, cool. I mean, well, I used grad school as an excuse to get out to New York, I think. I did that with my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, she, I don't know. It's a, she was the one that got me out here. I didn't get, I didn't use her to, you know what I yeah. mean? It was she just, was out here and then she, she was like, come out here. She lived here and I was here. like, okay, well, finally, I'm good. I'm, I have a reason to actually go. Yes. Or like a enough of a reason to get over being scared and, and yes. just go. <laughs> when I think in many ways, like, I, I always knew that I wanted to end up in New York. Mm -hmm. It took a while to figure out how to make that happen Same. in a way that was, like, sustainable. Yeah, not just, like. I almost moved here on a whim once and it probably would have worked out just cause like now I realize at the time I was like 23, 24 yeah. and like now I realize, Oh, I probably could have made it work, but I was just so terrified of New York city. Cause it was like my first time, like being here on my own, yeah. not on like a trip with people or like a vacation. I was just like here for two weeks. And, uh, I, a part of me wishes I had just done it, taken then. that leap, but also 
when I did move here, I, I had like learned how to bartend and learned, to, you know, I had all these skills where it was like, oh, I'm going to move there and actually be able to like live, pay, live and pay rent and <laughs> yes. whatnot. And that's, you know, it's a nice thing to do, especially after struggling like in Salt Lake City. Like all my 20s mm-hmm. were like rough in Salt Lake and Salt Lake was cheap as fuck back then. So yes. I'm thinking of New York City. <laughs> I'm like, how I can barely afford Salt Lake City. How the fuck <laughs> yeah, am I going to make I, New York work? Yeah. So that's uh yeah. That's well, cool. I think in many ways it's like I applied I only applied to grad school in New York. Nice. And when I was sort of waiting to hear back, I had already kind of I was like even if I don't get in, fuck it. Like I'm moving. That's cool. It's time. It needs to fucking happen. Like I don't want to like and I moved from Salt Lake okay, and nice. was sort of at the point where I was like I can't spend any more fucking years in this yeah. place. Like I get I'm done. My time here has ended. Yeah. I need to do something else with my life now. Do you still have family in Salt Lake? Uh, my mom lives um, in the Salt Lake area still. Okay. And I have some friends from college that are still out there. You go back ever? Not often. Okay. Yeah. No, it's... Uh... <laughs> I was there in August and it was fine. Yeah. I don't think I need to go back again anytime soon. Well, yeah, that's... Um, I'm, I'm really glad I didn't grow up in Salt Lake. Because uh, I think I would have like hit the ground running and never looked back, uh, but I made a lot of my my really good friends and just like became a person in Salt Lake, yeah. not just like some kid who like loved high school football and <laughs> you know what I mean, like became an actual person. And uh, so like Salt Lake's got a really special place in my heart. But I definitely hit that point where I was. I remember it being like February, and it was like the inversion was really bad, and I was super depressed, and I was like. I'm not doing another one of these winters in Salt Lake City. Like, I moved here for snowboarding. I haven't been snowboarding in, like, four years. Yeah. Like, why the fuck am I what here? What am I doing? Yeah, I how, seriously... How am I still here? No, and I, I was like, okay, I'm moving in October. I don't know where I'm going, but in October, I'm moving. <laughs> and so just started saving up money, and then it, it, like... Then the girl I was dating, we got back together, and because we were on this long-distance on-and-off mm-hmm. thing, and then I was like, okay, New York City, here I come. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... I think Salt Lake is one of those places that... Either it's gonna hold you forever, and it and it's like where your heart exists, and you and I've got friends that absolutely love it, and they're never leaving, and I more power to them because like if you're not caught up in the Mormon bullshit too much, it can be such a cool place. It but, can be, but if you grew up there and like your whole life was dictated by the Mormon bullshit, or you went to a yeah. Catholic high school, like like just all of that, I imagine it's probably a much different relationship. Well, and I think because I moved around so much and spent time in so many other places as a kid, from a very young age being there, I was like, this is not a normal place. This (laughs) Everyone that's here is sort of existing in a way that's like sort of off. Yeah. Um, It's like a Wes Anderson movie. It's like, like two or three degrees like tilted from reality yes it's like yeah that's what oops that's why they say like even like utah mormons or or like mormons outside of utah are even better than mormons in utah when i mean like i went to catholic school in part because my parents didn't want me in the public schools there because the mormons control everything or or like influence and and i mean like my family i grew up jewish um and so it's like I think from an early, when we were living there, it was like, no, no, the kid needs to, like, even though she's not, like, we're not Catholic, nobody in our family is fucking Catholic, but, like, (laughs) 
the cat, like, this is a safer place and will probably be, like, a healthier place. Yeah. Whereas, like, the public school is, like, like she might not have friends at yeah. all. No. <laughs> or, like, the friends that she'll make will be trouble. I've, <laughs> I've got so many friends or ex-girlfriends that grew up in public school in, in Salt Lake City or in the area of Mill Creek or whatever, and they were like, yeah, it was... It was weird, like being the non-Mormon was was like you were othered. Exactly. Yes. Um, which is, well, yeah, fucking crazy. <laughs> um, let's see. We're. I did. It kind of blows my mind that you're from Salt Lake. I just didn't even know that. Uh, but I mean, you're also you're not also not from Salt Lake. I lived you're there like, for a long time. Yeah, you like lived a lot of places, and that that makes you. Like, I mean, like I was saying, it either sucks you in or like I, when I, w- when I moved away from Salt Lake people, like the joke was like, oh, you'll be back in six months because that that's like most people, people that leave Salt say. Lake. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, you forget that I'm not from here. Yes. Like I moved here at 19 and I'm ready to go and I'm not, and I, you know, and I may enough. move back there at some point, but like, but I'm, I mean, it's been like eight years and I haven't moved back. So yeah. it's like. Suck on that. No, I had people say (laughs) say similar things when I left, and I was like, okay, like, sure. Yeah. (laughs) What you believe, whatever you need to believe, like. (laughs) No, that's. uh, Yeah, I mean, I love I love Salt Lake, and I love anyone listening from Salt Lake, but, but yeah, once you hit that point, you just gotta get the fuck out. Yeah. That's how my hometown was. Like, it's. Sometimes it's time to go. Yeah, when I I think it's. it, It happens with like. People have that with New York, too. There are people that move here, and they want to do five years, and then they're done. Yeah. And, so, like, sometimes you're done with a place, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, what things did you really like about Salt Lake? Or were you, what was your saving grace while you were in high school and just had to get through it? Um, The music scene. Yeah, Kilby like, Court. Uh, Kilby Court a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, more so, when I was in high school... There was like a pretty good punk scene. Uh-huh. Um, that at that time, Kilby Court wasn't really doing punk shows. Um, oh, yeah. I spent a lot more time at Kilby. There was a lot more indie. Yeah. Like, and like kind of like soft singer songwriter stuff. Yeah. Um, there was sort of a variety of venues that would pop up, sort of like in the downtown area that would exist for a few months before they'd get shut down, that yeah. would hold like pretty good punk shows. At the time, Salt Lake had a very good punk scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like now. I think um, it's still pretty good. My f- best friend from college owns a venue and said, he's like, dude, there's a great young okay. scene going on here. Cool. So that's really cool. Good. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely like heavily involved in that. Was going to shows all the time. Like started a music zine to like cool. document or whatever the, like the punk scene in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, and then sort of through my interest in that, got an internship at Slug Magazine when I was in high school. Nice. Um, worked there throughout college, um, sort of helping kind of like plan editorial content. Eventually, I think my title when I left there was managing editor. Nice. Um, I might be incorrect about that, but worked there for a long time. And so was sort of always vi- like very close and connected to the music scene that was happening. Oh, um, cool. And I mean, you know, like Salt Lake's music scene is small, but it is really good. Yeah. Um, I think the sad thing about it is often there's really good acts that never seem to break out of the like, yeah, 
playing urban lounge um, cycle and never really sort of like tour or get out there or bring their music to a larger audience than what's happening in downtown Salt Lake City. It's really weird. It's like it can be so insulated and it. And then you got like Provo down the road that's like broken, like huge national mm-hmm. bands that like, you know, aren't really my cup of tea, but like they've, I don't know, it's it's wild because it's Provo, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, what the fuck? And, but like <laughs> they've broken these huge acts and then Salt Lake City, it's it's not really known for having, I mean, I know it for having like some of my favorite bands that ever existed, yeah. but like nobody outside of Utah knows, knows who, who they the were. Knows who those bands are. Yeah. Um, and I... I Correct me if I'm wrong. I attribute that a little bit to, like, people in Utah not wanting to leave, you know, or like Possibly. there's like this general attitude, and I could be wrong, but like that I with like people I used to play in bands with and stuff in Utah that like it was either like they didn't want to leave or they just like they didn't think it was possible. I think it's very easy to get comfortable there, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I know when I was living there, the, th- the like the reason why I was like, it's time for me to go. Like, mm-hmm. I've had enough. Um, I think it's very easy to be the best at what you're doing there. Um, it's very easy to hit the top level. Or be of like something. top five or whatever. Yeah. Yes. I was never the best, but, but I, I don't even know top five. But I know what you mean. You'll hit that point where you're like, I don't know if I'm getting challenged anymore. Yeah. Like I definitely had hit a point where like. At the time, I was freelancing for Time.com at the time and, like, writing about some, like, big national stories that were coming out of Salt Lake. And it was amazing to be mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm getting, like, actual bylines. Like, I'm doing real fucking journalism. This is awesome. Yeah. But then in other aspects of my life, like, I was fucking off pretty hard. Yeah. And the sort of feedback I was getting from everyone around me was like, you're so amazing. You're so talented. You're so smart. And I was like... I'm like fucking off pretty hard, uh-huh. actually. I'm like, you should not think I'm this good for as much as I'm fucking around. Like, I need to get into an environment where like there won't be this amount of room for me to fuck around. Like, where the stakes are higher, I guess. Yeah, totally. I I can really relate to that a lot. And it wasn't until years late after being in New York that I realized it. Like. In Salt Lake, I, w- I always worked hard just because the ne- necessary necessity of like not really having skills that paid a lot of money. So yeah. you're like, it's like there's that difference between working hard at a job that doesn't pay you enough <laughs> and working hard at your craft or yes. whatever. And now I used to think I worked really hard at my craft in Salt Lake and I kind of did, but I also spent a lot of time either drunk or hungover. <laughs> and then in New York a few years ago, kind of retooled my entire um my entire like relationship with alcohol and Mm -hmm. everything and and it was partially because like oh this is getting in the way to the point where it's like really detrimental to music and to the things that i do whereas in salt like if i had stayed in salt lake i don't think i'd ever quit drinking or or like re you know what i mean because it was just like yeah but but new york there are some real stakes yeah the stakes are much higher here yeah and i'm i think like i've over the past few years, have lost a number of people that I was friends with when I lived there to drugs and alcohol. Oh, yeah. Um, and it sucks. Um, but I think, like, the reality of that, living in a community like that, is it's a lot easier to just fuck around and kind of, like, dial it in. Yeah. And 
nobody's nobody's necessarily going to call you on your shit, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and I, I mean, some places are just known for um, just, like, a more laid-back attitude. Not that I call Salt Lake laid-back. That's not the words I would use. But, like, like there's, like, you know, just different cultures and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and New York is just not that at all. Like, you know what I mean? It's not not even like we're sitting here shitting on Salt Lake. It's just like New York is not even, like laid back is like on the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> from what New York is. Yes. And so there, it's just this pace that that is required of you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want the listeners, because I'm sure like half of my listeners are from Salt Lake. It's like, I'm not shitting on Salt Lake. <laughs> Who is this bitch <laughs> yeah. talking shit about Salt Lake? Uh, no, I, they all know how much I love it. I'm there like four times a year, so... Um, but, but yeah, that's that's really really cool, and I that I um, that you recognize that. Um, have you always been kind of like a pretty driven person or, or self motivated? Yeah, yes. Where do you think that comes from? Um, I don't know. It's just kind of always been there. I'm not sure where it comes from, um, but I've always kind of like had the attitude of if. Someone has told me that I can't do something or I, that I'm like, my response is sort of like, fuck you, watch me. Um, yeah. I mean, even like when I was in junior high, I remember at some point, like I guess seventh grade, I ran for um, vice president of the school. Uh-huh. And part of the reason why I wanted to do it is I feel like someone had been like, well, a girl can't win. And I was like, and there was one other person who was running uncontested and I was just like, mm, like, there's only one person running for, like, I'm going to run and I'm going to fucking win. And like, fuck you to everyone who says that I can't do it for whatever reason. Uh-huh. Like, watch me do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where that attitude comes from, but it's definitely always been there. That's, that's cool. I mean, you don't, I guess you don't really need to know where it comes from as long as it's serving you. Yeah. You know, uh, there is. There was a time when I, I remember when I was leaving Salt Lake and I ran into some friends that like heard, because I didn't really tell anyone until like two weeks before I left. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm bouncing. Well, and I told close friends, but like the general community didn't have any idea. Yeah. And uh, and some I ran into some friends that were like, what the fuck, dude? Like, wh- what is this Brooklyn shit? You're moving to Brooklyn? Like, what the fuck? And they're like, what makes you think, uh, this sounds shittier than they said it because we were kind of having beers and having a yeah. good time, but they were like, they're like, what makes you think you can like make it there? That you can do it? And I was just like, I don't know, blind self confidence. Like, <laughs> and it's it, which is weird because I'm not really that way. Like New York's changed me because I mm-hmm. don't have that blind self confidence <laughs> anymore. But I mean that that young, just cocky attitude of like, because nothing's gonna fucking stop me. Yeah, I mean, you only live once. Why not try it? Totally. I, 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 I like at the. The worst case, and I, I think this is my approach to like anything I try now. I'm like, well, the worst case scenario is it like doesn't work, uh-huh. and that's fine. Like, at this point, there's lots of things that I've tried that didn't really work. Like, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. You figure it out. Yeah, I mean, you know how many times I've at this point been turned down by, like, while asking someone out or or like all of the scary things, like. It's like when you hit a certain age and you're like, oh, the, like I've I've been through these yeah. scenarios before, and, and I'm it's always still been okay. Here. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it sucks in the moment, but like, yeah. 
it's like getting dumped. Like it sucks getting dumped. And, but then it doesn't, it, it doesn't suck forever. It doesn't suck forever. And like having that evidence of like, you know, I was talking to a friend, I was just back home in Arizona. I was talking to a friend that was just going through some hard times. And I, I was just like, I know this just is cliche and just, and it, cause that's, cause there's truth in it. But yeah. like, if you're going through hell, just keep going. Like there's another side to it. And I know right now that just seems like some, some stupid, arrogant shit because you don't see the other end of it. But like, I assure you, you will, you yeah. will look back on this moment and be like, Oh, why was I so upset? Yeah, totally. <laughs> that yeah. didn't end up mattering or it's that just, much. It's not as bad as I'm as I think it is right now in my head. Exactly. And I'm coming from the person who creates way more problems than I actually deal with. <laughs> like I deal with a hundred times more problems than are actually there because of anxiety or shit in my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm always trying to like figure out ways to mitigate that. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> yeah, uh, when you. So what's your experience with, uh, with like being on the road? Um, so this, I was just out with Thick, or I guess at this point now it's been a few weeks. I was with Thick for the first two weeks of their five week headlining tour. Oh, cool. Um, which that we left New York early September, I think like the first or the second week of September, right after Labor Day. Okay. Um, and so then I was with them for the first two weeks as they sort of like crossed through the Northeast popped up into Canada, um, popped back down into Detroit, and then they played Riot Fest. And so I was with them up until that point. Um, previous to that, that's the longest I've ever been on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been on the road a few times with like other bands in Brooklyn, but mm-hmm. usually for like a weekender, yeah, four or five days, maybe at the longest. Um, so going into this tour, I was super excited, but also had like, a weird little bit of anxiety yeah being like i don't like what's it gonna be like is it like is it gonna be fun are we we all gonna get along um like am i gonna be okay being away from home for two weeks i was fine i had so much fun yeah when it was over i was like i like i don't i wish i was going on the full tour like um like five weeks isn't that long like what like I, take me with you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had sort of duties on the road where I was taking photos, sort of like tour diary, documentation stuff, um, mm-hmm. which is my favorite shit to do. Yeah. Um, and then selling merch for them. Cool. Yeah. That's such a fun way to experience tour. I, I mean, any way to experience tour, I think, is fun because it's just... Tour's great. I just love it. But, yeah. Um, but like having, it's like, oh, your job to capture the fun that's being had. Exactly. That's a, that's a cool assignment. And then selling merch is like, you get to talk to people. We people talk. are usually stoked because they're like, they just saw a rad show or they're about to. And so it's. They're uh, excited. It's a good, I mean, yeah, playing music and being on the road, especially in like, like Fix a pretty big band, but it's still like, like it, it's not touring with like some huge not a bus. outfit or what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. We, we didn't have a bus. Yeah, totally. And so, um, I don't know. It's like you're you're meeting all kinds of people, and it, like you are like when I work with other bigger bands, like usually there's some level of like removed from mm-hmm. the general public, you know, unless you're like getting gas or whatnot. But like at the show or whatnot, there's that you know 
there's but like clubs that we play it's like well there's not you know it's like one time i saw a band i can't remember who it was but they were like we're just gonna play our encore now because we're not gonna just go stand over there in the corner <laughs> while you while you chant for us yes. to come back you know because like, those are the type of clubs that we play and so um i don't know it's just a cool way to experience it it's the best job yeah ever i had a really fun time um what was your favorite city my fa- I think my favorite city was pr- Montreal and Toronto. Oh. I think were my or sorry Toronto, Canada. Yeah, um, we had a day off in Montreal, which mm-hmm. was so we like got there the day of the show. It was shitting rain, fucking impossible to find a parking spot. We were all very cold, and so it was one of those things that like sound checked whatever, and then it's like, well, we're just gonna Uber eats food here because like we're not going outside. Yeah. Um, the show was really amazing. The fans in Montreal, like as people were kind of trickling into the club, like just seeing like the amount of like people wearing other bands merch and like people with like vests that were like covered in patches. Uh Just, it was like the vibe. I was like, Oh, these are people who like love seeing shows. Yeah. Um, and from like the, like the first people that were coming over to the merch table were so excited to buy like the album, so excited to buy merch, so excited to talk to me about the band. Um, and then once they like all the bands that night as they were playing, just like the crowd was going off. Um, cool. And it was such cool energy. The next day we had a day off and it was beautiful. So we just like that's perfect. Walked around Montreal, like had like a nice relaxing like long sort of like dinner. Um, and then the next day drove to Toronto, which Bad Waitress, who was the first support, like they were a supporting band on the first leg of that tour, mm-hmm. um, are from there. So it was very fun to be like, and now we're in Toronto. This is where like Bad Waitress is from. Yeah. So packed out show. Really, ex- like once again, just people were excited. People were fucking stoked to buy merch, to talk to me, um, to talk to the band. Also, they were like down at the merch table for a while. And then afterwards, we, like, went out on the town with, like, our new friend's Bad Waitress. Cool. um, So, yeah, I think the shows in Canada were my favorites. That's awesome. Also, Riot Fest was incredible. I bet. I mean, Riot Fest is, like... But that's a given. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, and, I mean, being able to... That's something that's always... I've always been kind of curious of is, like, um, is seeing how, like, a festival, like, the background of of that sort of thing. Yes. Um, Seeing how those things operate and just, like, you know, there's so-and-so whose band's playing that you've, like, been a fan of forever. It was very much that. right by. Very much that. Really? Um, Do you have any stories you want to share about uh, that? I mean, Mannequin Pussy, who's another, like, favorite band. I've Mm -hmm. photographed them a bunch of times. They were actually one of, like, when I first started shooting music in New York, one of like the earliest shows I photographed. Oh, cool. Um, and they were playing the same day as Thick. We missed their set, but then like afterwards and like the artist backstage area, like ended up like hanging out with them for like a while and just like shooting the shit, which like was very cool and like a very like fun experience to be like, oh, like sweet. I'm like just in the backstage area hanging out with Mannequin Pussy and like it's not like. Like, it's just normal. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. I think also, like, the other band that was on tour, um, Skating Polly, who's been doing the whole tour with them, and will be at Vitus on Saturday for their homecoming show. Um, 
it was even though we'd been on the road with them at that point for two weeks to like see them in the backstage area like doing their like palling around with people like doing whatever else and be like oh hey like what's up friends like yeah was a very it was very fun festivals are a very unique experience i i bet i've uh I've never played at any like bigger festivals like that. Yeah, and I mean, I, usually I'm on like, usually if I'm at a festival, it's because I'm like working it. Yeah, and I'm like photographing for a brand or like tied to one stage all day and like. Yeah. Like oh god. Okay. <laughs> um and like very much like doing sort of intense work. Yeah. Um. Whereas this, it was like oh, I photographed thick, and then like I kind of just get to like hang out that's awesome yeah sounds like a good time yeah uh who who was your least favorite person on tour i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no least favorite people no i'm just kidding uh that just like start some shit on my podcast i'm trying to get some clickbait no (laughs) the mean sound guys the mean sound yeah that's that's uh i'm like i feel like the antidote antidote (laughs) to a mean sound person is remembering their name See, since I was, I didn't have to remember any of their names. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because I wasn't on stage doing anything. Like, I wasn't part of the sound check. Uh-huh. was just, like, picking up on the vibes. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, and it doesn't always work remembering <laughs> their name, but that's, like, my best defense to a, a mean sound person is, like, what's up, Dave? Oh, man. Hey, Dave, could I get some more <laughs> in my monitors? Dave, you and, sounded Dave, you so good tonight, Dave. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's, like. Because, I mean, I imagine it's that that experience of you're dealing with, like, three to five bands a night, like, four to six nights a week. And it's, like, unfortunately, that's how I can be sometimes after a tour where you're playing with a bunch of different bands every night. And then you, like, don't want to go see bands because you just (laughs) played with, like, 60 bands in the past three weeks. And, like, and they're every level of good and bad and blah, blah, blah. And you're just, like, man, I don't even... I just want, I don't want, I don't yeah. want to hear any more music. <laughs> well, I think to your question, like the meanest per, or the least favorite person on tour, there's something about the nature of tour where like your bad interact, like even if you're having a bad interaction with someone or someone's being a jerk, mm-hmm. that moment is going to last for so little time uh-huh. and something awesome is going to like probably just coming up. And in the big scheme of things, you're not going to remember that shitty interaction. Totally. Like that's going to like that's going to be gone. Yeah. And replaced with like, "Oh my god, this funny inside joke or like when this like hilarious thing happened like not on stage." Um and so that like any of the negative things that might have happened like don't stick with you. Yeah, that that's that's very true. And it's because it is such a roller coaster. You kind of just like learn to roll with the punches and then just like really embrace the highs. Yes. And it is, like you mentioned earlier, like, uh, I forget, you you had said something that made me think of the fact that tour is kind of very, can be, um, especially a DIY tour or like a smaller band Mm -hmm. tour where you don't have a driver or whatnot. Everybody's kind of chipping in. Yep. It can kind of be a like, one thing to the next, just like kind of super chaotic and not a lot of time to soak things up. Yes. So when you do have a moment that's like, you know, you catch the sunset over the the Pacific Coast Highway, or what? You know, yeah. like whatever that thing is, and then everybody's like, "Oh wow, oh fuck," you know, cool. and like you get a chance to take your breath and like, yes, that's that's really well. And I special. think like the chaotic nature of it. I think in my like, in my 
daily normal life being in New York, um, I have some like control freak tendencies. Like Mm -hmm. I like things to be done a certain way. If things aren't done a way, like I'll get a little like itchy kind of. Um, And I think being in a situation where like I was not in control. Nobody's really in control. There's sort of a loose, like there is a plan every day when you wake up. And, like, there's a time that you have to be at the venue loading the shit in mm-hmm. to then hopefully do the sound check. Yeah. But there's a lot that can go wrong between those things. Yeah. And when shit starts going wrong, you can't panic because no. then you're just going to ruin everybody else's fucking day. Yeah. So you kind of just have to roll with the chaos and sort of know that, like, at the end of the day, like, a show's going to happen. Like, maybe there won't be a sound check. Maybe, like, the interactions along the way will be, like, a little rocky, but, like, it's okay to sort of release some control. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it is kind of an exercise in letting go in some ways. Yeah. Or, or in um, just accepting what is. Yes. Um, you know, because sometimes, sometimes the alternator on the van goes bad and you got to got to replace the alternator yeah. in a parking lot in Montana or like, you know, things that you have zero <laughs> control over. And I can be that way too, especially on tour. Cause I'll wear several hats. Like I'm, I'm the, the singer. I booked the tour. Yeah. I'm the tour manager. I sell the merch. You're I'm, driving. I, yeah, no, really. It's like, and my, my band helps a lot, but like there's only three of us and it's kind of like my project. Yeah. So, so I just end up wearing a lot of hats and, and so sometimes the worst time to talk to me is like the 30 minutes before we get on stage mm-hmm. because I'm just like so stressed about everything that's <laughs> been coming like all day since I woke up that morning. All these things are finally coming to a head for yeah. the thing that's supposed to happen. And they're so close to like... But you're like, it could still not happen. No, exactly. And I'm just like high strung and I'll <laughs> like my buddy Matt, who's played drums with me a bunch of times, I'll, I'll be like, man, I'm a, I don't know why I fucking do this. I blah blah blah. Like <laughs> ten minutes before we're on stage, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And then Jill, like, this is your like favorite half thing to do. a song in, I'm just like, "Fuck yeah, I love this. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. I'm so happy." <laughs> but it's you know you can be kind of high strung when 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 like when one thing goes bad, it kind of can compound. Yes. It's like Tetris when like you fuck up one thing and it just turns into this like this clusterfuck. But you also have to be like, "Well, the show's not going on without us." Exactly. You know, like we're the ones on the top of the bill of, exactly. the, of the show poster. So like. It's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. It maybe won't happen exactly how you imagined it would happen in your mind. But like, I mean, the show in Toronto, driving from Montreal to the venue, we got stuck. Like there was just a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. And so a drive, like it turned into, I think like an eight or nine hour drive. Oh, damn. I feel like it should have been more like six. Oh, fuck. Um, and so by the time we got to the venue, like it was like the quickest sound check. There really wasn't time to like eat in between, like like sound check doors are open. Nobody really ate, um, and it's like and the show's going like yeah. Um, so like stuff like that was probably that was that day was a little stressful, but like in retrospect, I'm not remembering the stress. I'm remembering like the fun parts How much of it. Fun you had yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, such an important thing to keep in mind when you're on the road, or just like any on vacation or whatever, where those that stress can kind of just build up, and and you're just like, 
I'm not going to remember this particular exactly. thing. I'm going to remember the the 45 minutes to an hour we were on stage. Exactly. Um, or the conversations I had with people after the show. Um, when you're here in Brooklyn with Free to Kill and playing or traveling with them, what's the... Um, like, what different stresses do you deal with that you weren't dealing with it as a as a photographer? Um, I mean, so we haven't, we've never actually gone on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to, we're trying to. Sort of while I was on the road with Thick was like texting our band chat, being like, yo, we gotta go on tour. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, why aren't we doing this? Totally. Um, so that's kind of our goal for probably like early next year, mm-hmm. realistically. Um, is, you know, do some little weekenders, like see what it's like, see what the vibe is. Um, as far as like stressors go, I think the main thing is like coming back from this tour and sort of going back to my band. I was like, I have like, I have some ideas. Like Mm -hmm. there's some things that we've been doing that like, I think we can sort of tweak the way we're doing them and it will like work better. Yeah. Um, and one of those being like, before our show that we played last week at the Broadway, I was like, I'm making a merch sign like for our merch table. Yeah. So that like, it's not just some like shitty little paper that we're writing on before when we like get to the show and it's like, Oh shit. Like, where's that paper? Where's the shitty paper that we had last time? Mm -hmm. It's lost or thrown away or like looks bad. And so like, that was one thing where I was like, I'm making us a merch sign. Yeah. Also like, I have some like thoughts about how we can like keep our more, like the stuff that we're selling more organized. Like, here are some things that I've learned. And like for the merch thing, for example, um, which so many, before I went on this tour, I had a number of friends be like, oh, you got to bloom the boxes. I was like, what the hell does that mean? They're like, when you're selling the merch, like pull the shirts out and keep, every, like, keep them bloomed. So when people are asking you for sizes, it's really easy to grab sizes and see how much you have left of something. Yeah. And, you do, and, like, and then nothing's ever like rolled up or taped. Like, it's not, like, it seems like a harder way to travel with a bunch of merch, but it will make your life much easier when you're behind the merch table. Yeah. Um, And, of course, when I, like, the first day in Connecticut, Nikki was like, okay, I'm going to help you set up the merch, and I'm going to show you a trick that Sarah from Gym Short showed us on our last tour. Uh-huh. She was like, we're going to bloom them. And I was like, oh, you're blooming the boxes. Like, I know. People, people told me that I needed to do this to, like, be like, look at this. <laughs> Yeah. Like, look at this trick that I have up my sleeve. No, the, God, the amount of times that I've just dug through, like, I swear to God, there's a small in here. I know there's a fucking small in here, and you're just digging, and then, like, by and the time... And then everything's messy. Yeah, exactly. And then by the time, if you even do find it, they're either, like, just give me a medium, or they're just like, ah, never mind, you know, and then yeah. you just lost out on 20 bucks. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's a... That's a... <laughs> big thing by bloom you mean like folding everything in no so actually like taking them and basically like like having i guess like six of each size we'll Uh say and having the box open and then having the shirts rather than being like folded they're just like long and then you drape them over the sides of the box yeah that's what i was picturing i just wasn't (laughs) i wasn't sure what that yeah that's because you just kind of like file through it like like a file cabinet as opposed to like digging for buried treasure yes it's uh it's wild how much game changer and having i mean you had said a sign for free to kill like 
I was playing a show in Austin a number of years ago, and my buddy Brandon came through, and he's tour manager for a Texas country guy that mm-hmm. like like tours enough that Brandon, that's like his full time job is this dude's tour manager. Yeah. So so they know their stuff, and Brandon sees me with like my t shirts folded on the pool table. He's like, "What are you doing?" And he was seriously just like, "It's like, dude, like." You need, this needs to look <laughs> legit. Like people, you need to believe that you're legit and like make this look like a little store. Be, yeah. Before <laughs> anyone else will believe it, you got to believe it. So you can't just be folding your shirts and throwing them on the pool table. You, <laughs> you know, and now I have like a setup with like, and if I'm doing a full setup, like I can hang shirts up and I got like little string lights and, yep. you know, just to like, <laughs> to merchandise like draw it. the eye and, yeah. and make people be like, oh, that's a cool design, you know, instead of just like this table that's like <laughs> people are walking by or uh-huh. the pool table. That <laughs> or people a pool are like, table. I'm trying to play pool. Why the fuck is your t-shirt here? <laughs> What's uh, another thing that you've learned either with Free to Kill or, or Wall on Tour Thick that's like... um just like saved you so much stress or time. Can you think of anything? Mm. I think thick is thick in particular. They are like a highly, they're very organized. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like just being adjacent to like the conversations about kind of like schedules for the days, what time like load ins were, what time, like just like the timing of everything, the Mm -hmm. timing of drives, the, like how far away are the hotels from the venue that we're playing, for uh-huh. example. And they all do a really good job of like, I think, communicating, asking each other if there's something that can like they can help a person with to sort of like alleviate like the stress of one person. Yeah. Um, they have a really amazing collection of spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> which things like that where watching it unfold in real time just being like oh these are things that i want my band to be doing like we need to like we have some spreadsheets we need to get a little better about maybe like updating our spreadsheets yeah totally um and i mean part of that like like i said i'm a little bit of a control freak i'm so like when we started free to kill one of the first things that i started like i started a doc that's basically like it lists every show we've ever played the bands we've played with where we played, how much money we made off the door that night. Oh, nice. And, like, was had that pulled up for some reason the other night um, and, like, was, like, working on, like, an application with Maria. She's like, what is this document? And I was like, as my document of all of our shows, she's like, you have this? I was like, yeah, of course I have this. Like, I want to remember all the bands we've played with. I want to remember all the venues we've played. And I want to know how much money we made at them so that when we get asked to play, like, a Tuesday at wherever... I can like look at a thing and be like, mm, I don't know if that's worth it. Or like, yeah, we should absolutely do that. Like, no, let's that, play the Tuesday. That's awesome. <laughs> I, oh my God, I wish I had kept something like that. <laughs> um, the amount of times I've been like, you know, I book a, t- a show in some town and and I'm like, I know I played in that town. I played with a really cool band. Yeah. And they brought people out and I don't have any idea who they are. <laughs> I can't remember them at all. And like, they're somewhere in my thousands of facebook friends or instagram yep. followers and like not like i have not like i have thousands and thousands but it's like it's over a thousand so it's like you know it's well, and if so you're not, hard to find that stuff like i mean but we're we want to go on tour and i'm like i'm glad i have this doc because like we've played with bands who were on tour and came mm-hmm. to new york and we were like the support for like the local support to like 
bring people to the show for the bands from like Massachusetts or like New Jersey or mm-hmm. wherever else where it's like, okay, like let's use these contacts to try to book our own DIY tour. Totally. Like, cause I, I don't, I mean, we'll, we'll see if it works. Well, show swaps <laughs> we'll are like, that's, that's the, where I started touring was like all when, I mean, when I was in high school, I kind of had a band mm-hmm. and my friends from my friend from Phoenix, he was in a band that was like, touring and like you know it was like early myspace days so they kind of caught that wave and they were doing a lot of that stuff and then he hit me up and he's like hey we want to play pine top which is the name of town i'm from it's like three hours from phoenix and so like i set him up a show you know people have heard these stories a bunch of times but um but it turned into like i started getting bands these shows in my hometown and mm-hmm. then I started getting my band shows in, in Phoenix or Tucson or when we nice. played California like after high school like we you know and yeah the, and the sh- man the almighty show swap being like you guys help us out in Boston we're gonna your help hometown, you out yeah. we'll help you out in Brooklyn and and especially the east coast where things are closer together yes the west is I, I miss the west a lot but touring there is difficult <laughs> You know, unless you want to play a bunch of like really like small towns or in betweeners, which are sometimes my favorite towns, but you know, sometimes it's also like how productive is that? Yes. You know, um, when you could play a town with like a music scene and like get to know like a a booker and blah, you know, like a promoter who's going to help get you with the right people and whatnot. Totally. Well, and I think like for as long as I've been photographing music, mm-hmm. and I mean before I joined Free to Kill, like. I was sometimes booking shows. Like, I had a music blog that I would, like, sometimes, like, book events around. Cool. Um, and so, as, like, sort of with, like, the other hat that I wear of, like, music photographer, have some connections out there as well, where it's like, okay, like, let's, like, how can, how can these, like, bands that I've photographed, for example, like, like, can, free, can my band play with you? Like, can we do a show together? Um, totally. And, and if not, like they know people they, who, that are in other bands in yes. that town. You I know? can probably like recommend, be like, oh, we can't do it, but like, like here, talk to this band. Totally. I mean, that's a thing. Like, I get emails all the time from people being like, yo, is your band available to play? Or like, do you know anybody? Or a lot of the times it's like, can free to kill play? Oh, no. And they're like, can you recommend anybody? And I'm like, here's a list of five bands. Like, yeah. They have a similar vibe that we have. Like, Hopefully one of them's available. No, totally. And just being helpful is, or being someone who's like, I can't, but here's people you should hit up. Yeah. That's, uh, and I I believe in, not not necessarily like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I believe in. I believe in nothing. No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) Like karma in a way of, of like, you know, you may not get anything out of, throwing that band five other suggestions, mm-hmm. but hopefully it gets paid forward to you when you're looking to book a tour. Yeah. So many times people be like, oh, sorry, I can't play that show. And you're like, okay, <laughs> could you, could you point me in the right direction? You're the, like, I played a show with you in Brooklyn. You said when you come through Madison, yeah. we'll just let say, me know, let me know. We'll play with you. It'll be a great show. And then I send you an email and then they're like, oh, sorry, we're busy that night crickets after that yeah. you're like but wait <laughs> wait what happened what about could our you, conversation could you just like help yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> like i don't know it's uh it's really good to i really think i mean if you want to create a scene you gotta like 
you got to con- be conducive to having a yeah. Well, then you have to be willing to connect people and even I mean like Frida Kill gets asked to do stuff all the time that we can't do just because of like conflicting work schedules mm-hmm. like whatever else um, or like Maria's DJing or like I'm photographing a show or whatever the thing might be where it's like every time we do get those emails I think all of us try to be like we can't do it but here are some people that like reach out to these people like yeah. they might be able to totally that's uh that's awesome that's uh that's the right move <laughs> yeah but I mean even like being on tour sort of like as we hit different cities it was like oh we know so and so like we know a friend of a friend in this city mm-hmm. like Oh, they're at the show. Cool. Oh, they're going to tell us like where we should eat or what bar we should go to afterwards or like where or like maybe they have a place where we can stay. Like and I don't like it's nice to see those connections happen out on the road as well, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That I think my guys the first time we went on tour about a year ago and they saw like a decade's worth of that all <laughs> across the country where it's like my drummer Blake was like there's he was like there's people at every show. And he was like surprised by that, and I'm like, <laughs> except for there was one, and that like I think we were playing to the bar staff, but I'd never been in that town before. But um, you know, you know, it may have been like four or five people at yeah. some of the shows, but it's like, yeah, because I cause I've been those, doing this. Yeah, those connections that you make, or or you just like stay friends with people, and then they move to Fort Wayne, Indiana, yeah. and then they come to the show or whatnot. I mean, like being behind the merch table at all of the thick shows the amount of times that people would come up and be like, oh my God, we saw we saw Thick play because they'd been on um, like the opening band for Flogging Molly mm-hmm. before. And they'd also been the opener for the Chats and Mean Jeans. Cool. And the number of people that like came to the merch table and would tell me like, we saw them with Flogging Molly or we saw them with the Chats. We had no idea who they were, but we loved them. We're so excited to see them again. That's cool. Where it was like, that's awesome. Like it's like they were the opening band for these other tours. Now they're like, this is their first big headlining tour. And like they converted some people, like they converted a Flogging Molly fan. They converted a Chats fan. Like that's great. And that's honestly your goal when you're playing in front of people. Like there's different levels of, of that where like if you're doing a DIY tour, you're trying to make fans off of, the local bands, yeah. like the local bands bring their friends and their fans. And then you're and then trying you to hope. Like, like, you're trying to turn them into fans. And then, but like when you're opening for another band, it's like, it's, you're doing the same thing. Pretty much. You're just like trying to put on a hell of a show. Yeah. Be so good that you're undeniable. And certain yeah. people are like, that's my fucking shit. I want to do that. Or I want to, I want to watch them do that again. Totally. Well, not, I mean the few like big shows that like Frida Kill has booked. Like mm-hmm. we got to open for Destroy Boys and Scowl um mm. at the beginning of summer, which was amazing. But also going into that show and being like, we're about to play the biggest stage we've ever played. This room is packed and it's like packed with a lot of like young kids. Like mm-hmm. and just like to have that sort of energy and momentum and it was like, we've got to play the best fucking show we've ever played. Yeah. Like we can't like these people are so excited. They're not here for us, though. Like, none of these people know who we are. Like, we have to make them love us. Like, let's go. Um, it, I don't It's a fun feeling. <laughs> yeah, totally. When 
y'all are super energetic, just have like a great vibe on stage. Oh, thanks. And I caught you at the Windjammer a few months ago, I feel like. And yeah, that was a, such a fun show. I, uh, what, I'm trying to think of, like, what have you learned about, because Frida Kill is like your first band. It's my first band. What have you learned about performing in the past few years while you've been playing with Frida Kill? Um, the first show we ever, or like the first few shows, actually, I'll say. But the first one, I was so nervous, which is like very funny. I don't get nervous, uh -huh. really. Um, I thought I was going to vomit. Like Really? Yeah. And for the first, like, few months performing every time I was like, I don't know, I might puke. Like I might have to puke or like, I might not remember how my guitar works. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Like I might just like immediately black out like with, from fear as yeah. soon as I'm on stage. Um, which is very silly because I was like a kid. I love performing. Mm -hmm. I went to like theater camp and like, Loved being on stage, loved being the center of attention, um, was into that, like into high school basically, mm -hmm. and then stopped doing it for most of my 20s, like was more of a behind the scenes person. Um, but I think like anything, it's like at, at first it was very hard. I had so much anxiety and was so nervous all the time on stage, but then after like continuing to do it, continuing to play, um, continuing to have like good shows and feel good about them afterwards. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I can do this. I like, I do know what I'm doing. I'm not going to forget my guitar parts except for one time. Um, <laughs> I forget my guitar parts all the time, <laughs> but I like remember like two, what am I doing right here? Or my hand just doesn't do the thing it's supposed to do. And then you're like, okay, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think the more I've done it, the more comfortable I am. Mm -hmm. Where, like, at this point, I'm like, it's the most fun thing to do. Like, yeah. Oh. Even if I'm having a bad day, like, after playing a show, I will probably feel better. Like, even if it's kind of a crummy show. Like, I'll probably get off stage and be like, well, you know, they can't all be fucking home runs. But, like, that was fun. Totally. Like, burned Especially off some energy. Your, your bandmates or some of your closest friends. Or are you just, like, you're just up there, like us against the world you know yes um and I'm, not necessarily in a like i'm i'm like at, in a battle with this audience but it's like try and fuck with us like yeah, well, also, i'm up here with my best friends yeah like our show that we played last week ha we had a lot of sound issues mm -hmm. and there was some power issues and like it all worked out but like during our set there was like two points where it was just like and we're kind of on standby. So like, <laughs> let's fill the time with banter. I like, even in that moment, it's like my amp lost power, right? Oh no. Like three songs in and it took a while to figure out what was wrong. Yeah. And then like, at one point I just like looked off the stage and like made eye contact with like some friends in TVOD and was like, I don't know. Like I can't do anything about this. So like, <laughs> guess I'm just hanging out, like cracking jokes, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. You, I mean, the show must go on. Exactly. And uh, sometimes that means you're cracking jokes while the the sound person's figuring out exactly flipping the breaker. You know, whatever yeah. the thing is. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's an important thing to keep in mind. And even with life, sometimes it's like it'll all work out. Yeah. Like, try not to panic. Yeah, and it's like even. I mean, this is kind of dark, but even if you die, it's like. 
that's kind of working out because like that's what's going to happen eventually regardless yeah. so you know what i mean it's like and, and not, you're dead what do you care yeah exactly uh you know and it but it is that something i have to remind myself so much because like anxiety is so much like you convincing yourself that something's going to happen that you don't know or like there and it's like no, everything's going to be okay. Because yeah. up until now, I've dealt with a lot of shit. Yes. But I've been okay. It's like we were talking about with the breakups earlier and everything like that. It's like you have that evidence to know like, okay, it's going to be all right. I mean, ev- like even in our earlier shows when like my, where I was like, I might puke. I feel like I'm going to puke. Our bandmate Lily, but she said to me multiple times, she's like, well, if you do puke, it'll probably like look pretty cool. Be on super punk it'll be super rock. punk rock. Yeah. And I was like, I guess you're right. It's like Sid Vicious <laughs> level uh, Gigi Allen. Like, it'll make the sh- And she's like, and I think even it's like, well, if you need to puke, like don't puke on your bandmates, please. Like yeah. puke on the audience or something. Yeah. They deserve it. No, no, I've never kidding. puked on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely. Nope. I haven't puked on stage. I've definitely drank enough that I puked after a show, mm. you know, but. <laughs> that's a whole different story. <laughs> that's a different kind of puking. Yeah, that is that is uh, me just not knowing when to stop. Um, <laughs> when's your next free to kill show? What do you What do y'all got going we on? We are up? playing Friday. Not we are playing next Friday at um, what's the date? Friday yes, the, the 21st. October. Free to kill is playing at Bar Frida. We are headlining that show. We are playing with Core Deluxe, who are from North Carolina. So cool. me- make some new friends. Yeah. Maybe we'll play a show with them in North Carolina one day. Um, cool Dead Woman and Modern Flame. Cool. Yeah. At Bar Frida, October 21st. I love Bar Frida. The sound down there is the awesome. The sound is so good. So good. Like so way good. better than you'd ever expect a little basement venue to sound. Yeah. And like little is like, it's a pretty, it's a good sized room. Nice, you can fit yeah. a crowd in there. That's awesome. I'm going to try and go to that show. Hell yeah. Um, I... What where can folks find a, found you your 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 photography um all the places on the internet that they can find you. all of my internet places uh Instagram I'm Jeanette D Moses J E A N E T T E the letter D and Moses like the guy in the Bible mm-hmm. um my website is the same my Twitter is the same I don't really tweet though don't follow me on Twitter same. you'll just be disappointed <laughs> um and then the free to kill stuff is our Instagram is free to kill kills um kill kills. And we have we're on Bandcamp. You can stream our EP on all of the streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a Bandnada site, um, which is a cool platform that like helps bands build websites. Essentially, oh cool, organizes all your fucking links in one place. Um, which it's Band and then Nada N A D A. And if you go there and just search "Free to Kill," I think we pop up. Free to Kill. On Bandnada. On Bandnada. That's awesome. Uh, before we let you go, I want to say, I want to ask. Okay. Um, let's see, what do I want to ask? <laughs> I just like to do. Do you have any advice for anyone who wants to start a band or is in a band, like, and like, what do you do to manage all the personalities in a band? Because even if you're all like friends, it's like. <laughs> People clash sometimes, especially musicians and artists can be can be a lot. So, like, do you have any advice for that, or what works for you? What works for me? I think be down to talk things through. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like communication and being willing to have conversations 
is super important and just like keeps things sort of like moving along. Um, totally. And I think like dealing with creatives from whatever angle, um, even if you're like very angry or frustrated or whatever, take a breath mm-hmm. <laughs> and give yourself a minute. Um, even if someone is in your life, and I think this is just good life advice um, in general, like nothing nothing gets better if you tell the people who you love in your life to go fuck themselves. Yeah. Um, that totally. will just make things worse. Yeah. No, and, and usually every single time you take a moment and decide not to tell someone to go fuck themselves, things turn out better. Yes. <laughs> yes. As someone who's told lots of people to go fuck themselves and kind of regretted it later on. Also, just, like, try not to panic. Yeah. Even in the most, like, frustrating, annoying, whatever situations, try not to panic. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, your bandmates have your fucking back. Yeah. When they're, like, and if you don't enjoy what you're doing with them and you don't enjoy you spending the time with them. <laughs> quit. Yeah, and you're not in a band that's like making tons and tons of money. Like there's some bands I'm sure that have been a band for 30 plus years and they all fucking hate each other. The Misfits. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, but they all play cause that's how they make a living, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's a whole different story. But if you don't 